0: Welcome to the dungeon. we Captain Tommy Caloris of uh, Finn and Fowl, right?
1: Finn and uh, Fowl I Guide Service. My, no, you I changed, changed it. My my branding it's okay. it's Floridian Guide Collective now. F- so. Floridian
0: Guide Collective. <laughs> yeah. So um, so you offer what 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 is your what is your guide service offer?
1: Uh, I offer inshore fly fishing trips, inshore light tackle trips. Um, I'm starting to get into the the more of the brokering of hunts side of things um i have a pretty decent list of outfitters across the country that i work with that are i can book hunts for people and kind of get them dialed up on places that they might not know about um hey doug (laughs) um so yeah but primarily i i would say i'm more known in the local circle for my tarpon fishing i think Okay. Fly fishing for tarpon.
0: Yeah, fly fishing for tarpon. I think that's a, a passion that both of us both of us share. Indeed. We haven't gotten to spend any time on the boat together, tarpon fishing, it's but coming. we're going to change that it's this coming. year. Yep. Uh, so if we if we were big enough and we had a guy that could throw something on a screen for us, right now I'd, mm. I'd show everybody a map of Pinellas <laughs> County. But but you're from Tarpon Springs. Born and raised. Uh, born and raised in Tarpon Springs. I was born and raised in Dunedin. We're both Floridians. Uh, both Floridians within you know ten or fifteen minutes of each other. Yep. And our shop kind of. It's halfway between that. Indeed. So uh, it's there's a lot of people here, but the fishing industry, the fishing side of things, is a pretty small, tight knit mm-hmm. group. Everyone mm-hmm. kind of knows everybody, for better or for worse. Everybody knows everybody, <laughs> no doubt. Uh, so right now you're fishing. Uh, well, you're you're a professional guide, sure. uh, but how did you get started in the pinellas county north pinellas county area uh, falling in love with fishing learning about fishing um, those sorts of things and what was growing up in tarpon springs like uh, for a kid that just wanted to run around and fish wherever he could yeah
1: it was um it was beautiful man it was i think i speak for everybody that grew up here uh our our you know little west central bubble here has exploded in the past 10 to 15 years um growing here growing up here was was really special um as you said i grew up in tarpon springs it's a very small community um you know built around a river um i would say that river is responsible for you know keeping me out of a lot of trouble fishing and just the outdoors in general kept me out of trouble a lot when i was younger um i don't i don't think there was necessarily a a one moment that defined my passion or you know paved the way for for my fishing um but i would say my earliest memory of of something that maybe jacked me up uh, my family had a, a few acres just outside of town and had a bunch of ponds on it. We used to bass fish when I was a kid. My dad took me to Kmart, if that ages how long ago that was. There was a Kmart in Tarpon where the Walmart is now. Yeah. And um, told me to buy anything I wanted for, to go bass fishing that day. Well, of course, I bought like the most obnoxious-looking frog lure that there was. Um, we went out to our local farm. And I'm casting this thing all day and reeling it in as fast as I can. There's no, I, I think I might've been like seven years old, six years old. I bet I cast it a hundred times that day on my little Zebco. And I vividly remember this. And this, it, I would say, yeah, this is pretty impactful. Now that I'm looking back on it. I'm reeling as fast as I can. And my dad says, stop, stop, stop. And he goes, real, real, real. Stop, stop, stop. And looking back on it, I didn't know why he was telling me to do that, but there was obviously a fish trying to eat my my frog. Fish comes up, explodes on my frog um, pretty close to the dock, and turns out to be like, I think it's 8 pounds, like 6 ounces. That was my first official fish that I caught by myself. So that one definitely had an impact. Um, And it kind of just spun off from there. Um, You know, like I said, growing up in in that river corridor, the Ankle River Corridor, wasn't allowed to leave the river um when i got my first boat so you know turned into a river rat of sorts along with a uh, a pretty good group of guys in town and just started learning anything and everything we could there was no internet you know it was basically books and your elders teaching you you know throughout my life i really didn't get into reading books until i was in my teens but you know as a kid you know you're just throwing everything up against the wall and seeing what sticks and you're doing what your elders tell you or or works or they show you or um so i would say that definitely paved the way and and kind of you know started my passion for fishing um and just the outdoors in general
0: yeah i mean because you look at the area on a map of tarpon
1: springs Mm -hmm. and it really is built around the ankle river the whole town is built around the water um if you drive through tarpon even back into the residential areas, I mean, it's it's water. There's it's water all everywhere, water and they, people just built houses around the water.
0: Yeah, there's water everywhere, yeah. and it and it goes inland a lot. It goes right, inland for, very for far. Days. It
1: goes it even stretches up into land of lakes, um, uh, you know, across the Veterans Expressway into the Bexley's Farm. Um, it, it's the Ankle River is very 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 big. It, yeah. it goes way back in inland.
0: Yeah. So so growing up, running around, trying to figure out, you mm-hmm. know. I was, remember getting getting my homework done as quick as I could mm-hmm. so I could, you know, go fishing. Whether it no was doubt. the pond at the end of the street, when I a... started driving, you know, what that was like to, yeah. you know, dr- go drive. And it opened up a whole new whole new world. And then you get a boat and, you know, uh, we had a, a John boat, a 14-foot yeah. Illumicraft. Yeah. And that was similar to us. We would fish Lake Tarpon and then you know we weren't allowed to leave the intercoastal our Mm -hmm. intercoastal even though it's only 10 miles south our intercoastal is a lot smaller in dunedin so we're able to go out but not really go under the dunedin causeway just caladice and back and barriers for sure yeah and that's and that's you know it's it's funny how you can fish the same water your whole life but it's it always changes and it's always so different you're always trying new stuff so
1: even today um i still fish the river intimately like i did when i was a kid and it's forever evolving uh you know if we have a big hurricane or we have a super big rainy season that you know dumps a bunch of fresh water into the river and it might who knows i mean the city's talking about dredging our river right now so that could change the hydrology and, and the way the water moves through our river and that could you know spots that i know work in our river they might not work anymore or spots that you know it's constantly evolving it never stops
0: yeah and we'll talk more about the difference in the fishery coming up but but what i always thought is how amazing it is that you know when you fish somewhere every day Mm -hmm. you don't notice the differences as much as when you leave Mm -hmm. and you come back yeah and you know knowing so the knowledge of growing up somewhere and you know, knowing that place, mm-hmm. fe- feeling like home, mm-hmm. it allows you when there are changes that happen, you can adapt more quickly. Or when for you sure. know that the weather is going to be this, the winds out of this direction or uh, that, it allows you to, to adjust. For, so for your business, mm-hmm. it, it helps a lot because, you know, it lets you, you know, it lets you like really, give your anglers uh, uh, the best chance, no matter what the conditions sure. are. But that's something that you know you can't just learn. That's something that growing up there, you have to go out and do it and experience it.
1: Yeah, and this I, I could uh, this could spiral into a huge conversation, but I, I don't know if we want to go that direction. But <laughs> you, you know, when you grow up in an area like you're saying, and you're watching something change and evolve over time, and a spot changes, or a hurricane comes through and blows this sandbar bigger or makes it smaller or whatever. When you watch that happen, like you said, you can—you're giving your angler, whoever steps on your bow, no matter what, because uh, as you know, weather's not always going to be the best, and it's not going to be—you you could write a script on what you want to do the next day, and you wake up the next morning, and the winds, ten knots harder than a different direction than they said it was going to be. If you haven't fished there your whole life you're gonna you're gonna be like well my plan a and b and c is now gone i don't have a plan d or I, I, where do i go so yeah i would say a lifetime of growing up in the, in a fishery you know gives you that ability to do that to you know switch gears on the fly so to speak
0: yeah yeah so all right so let's let's transition a little bit so you kid grown up yep. around the river yeah fishing for fun yeah Going to school, getting in trouble, doing the thing that kids do.
1: Going to school, doing the kids, you know, doing everything kids do, playing a little bit of sports, um, you know. But fishing and hunting definitely superseded anything. Um, Graduated high school, um, tried to go to college for about a year and a half. Um, Just wasn't my thing. My parents got a divorce right before I graduated, and I just kind of dove head into fishing and oh man i would say about a year or two out of high school um i got an opportunity through a family friend who owned a a a private sport fish boat um i got an opportunity to go work with them um they had a they had a a, an opening come up they were on their way back from mexico he calls me tells me to come down to the keys long story short i kind of go down that avenue which you know on the west coast of florida there's really not a lot of private sport fish boats it's not an offshore fishing destination um so it was kind of a a, an avenue that i always had interest in but i never really had an opportunity to do it so when the opportunity presented itself i kind of dove all in um you know went back and forth maybe for a year there on like do is this something i want to go with or you know what do I want to do here? You know what I mean. Do I want to go down this avenue? All my friends were in college, and you know the economy. By now, I'm 21, 22 years old. The economy, you know, the dive of 08, there is starting to happen, and I'm, you know, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this. And I went down that road for 10 or 12 years, um, working on private boats. Um, and man, I saw some incredible stuff. I traveled to some really incredible places, and. I learned a pile um at the time i didn't know would translate into my inshore fishing at home or my fly fishing game anywhere for that matter um but that definitely paved the way into you know develop me developing me as an angler and as a a guide um in the industry so
0: yeah so so the offshore um private sport fish boats mm-hmm. uh you're fishing we, you, we talked a little bit before this you're fishing tournaments fishing all over the world yep uh and primarily fishing turn like f- fishing mostly bi- tournament fishing for billfish uh, mostly uh, it was
1: all billfish okay. so the first couple years um i worked for a guy who would just kind of fun fish and we would fish the old salt loop tournament um every year and that was the only tournament we would fish but when i worked for that guy we we, we traveled to uh the northern gulf we did missis we did the excuse me louisiana we stayed in louisiana fish out of sandestine um biloxi orange beach alabama fishing the oil rigs and all that stuff so i kind of cut my teeth um learning how to billfish fish in the gulf which was cool i thought that was cool when i was doing it because i'm you know obviously from the gulf coast and okay. learning how to billfish fish in the gulf was was really neat and then it's not
0: something many people do around no here.
1: i mean there's a you know there's a handful of people from i'll say the northern pinellas corridor down to i'll just call it fort myers that you know they do fish what what is known as the loop current um the gulf stream loops into the gulf um and there's an area due west of like boca grande called the steps um the continental shelf just drops off there real good and we use satellite shots to look at the water and all that but yeah not a lot of people are doing it on the west coast and i felt very fortunate to have a job that i was doing that um And then as the program grew and the owner grew, um, we started building boats, um, built several Vikings with him, which that, that was an experience in itself that I, I, am infatuated with boats. I love boats. I love skiffs. I love big boats. So having the ability and the, the opportunity to go build a boat, uh, for this gentleman was, it was, it was truly an honor to do that. Um, but going back to, to the bill fishing, once we started fishing out here and kind of honing our team so to speak um you know we started broadening our horizons we then we then we started stretching out we went to saint thomas the bahamas um eventually and i'm talking over the course of 10 years here um you know we started fishing bermuda ocean city maryland cape may new jersey all over the gulf like i said um mexico um and then eventually he he bought a place in costa rica and and we started fishing in costa rica out of and that's when the tournament fishing really took off is when we started stretching out to, to all these places. Ocean city, Maryland has the white Marlin open, um, you know, anywhere from a three and a half to $5 million purse. And that was like, I would say that was my first real big tournament. I had fished some, some tournaments in the Bahamas that were respectable tournaments if you want them. But you know, the white Marlin opens like the super bowl, you're talking about four or 500 boats all competing for a multi million dollar purse so that's kind of where i learned how to dredge fish and dead bait troll um and really i would say that's where i learned started to learn my tackle really perfecting all of my tackle and knots and learning how to fight fish uh learning how to kill fish um learning how to take care of a boat certainly um that's all up there you're you're talking about a when we would leave for marlin season let's just say on a normal year we would leave in june to go to bermuda um we would fish Bermuda from the end of June, basically all of July, fish three tournaments in Bermuda, load the boat up the, after the last tournament. Maybe the day of the tournament ending, we would load the boat up, maybe leave that night. We did that a couple of times and then go to Ocean City, maybe have a week in between tournaments there. Reset everything, new line on everything, you know, and we're back at it. We're fishing again.
0: And when you say load the boat, you mean driving the boat from Bermuda, yes up the east coast of the united states to yes. ocean city new jersey i have taken a
1: boat in, maryland in, yeah. yeah i mean i have taken a boat a, a lot of places um leaving out of the Anclote river i have left out of the Anclote river and taken a boat all the way to cape may new jersey and back stopping at several places along the way the keys the bahamas bermuda you know uh, charleston south carolina uh, moorhead city virginia beach all up and down the eastern seaboard you you know you have to obviously when you're traveling you have to stop and get fuel and stuff like that um but yeah load the boat and drive from bermuda straight to ocean city um we did that i think i fished two or three seasons in, in ocean city or in bermuda i fished seven seasons in ocean city um
0: yeah, because, well, you hear people say all the time, like, oh, I fish every day. I live on the water. Well,
1: mm-hmm.
0: no, you still load the boat up and yeah. take it home yeah. and sleeping on your bed yeah. and and sit on the couch or whatever else. But you were, like, literally living on living the water. Living on the boat.
1: Living um, on the boat. You know, when the boat would pull out of its slip, and that's that's the job. I it's mean, if you're, if you're a captain or you're a mate on a, on a private, or a charter boat, for that matter, charter boats travel, too, that's home. That's your home. You better take care of it. It has, you know, your bathroom, your, I mean... When I say this, we the, the boat we stayed on was very nice. I mean, everybody knows. I, I'm assuming a lot of people know what a Viking is. I mean, yeah, but in, over the period of months, months, I don't care what boat you're on, it gets old, it gets
0: small, it and it feels small, For and it gets sure. old. And the your, pe- roo- your and, roommate, you better yeah. like
1: the guys you're yeah. rooming with, Mike, Julian, I love you. <laughs> um, yeah. You, you you get to know all the people on the boat very well. And, you know, the owner's on the boat with you in most cases. Sometimes he would stay with us, sometimes he wouldn't. He'd rent a house or he'd stay somewhere else. If He'd bring up another one of his boats up there and stay on another boat. Um, but in a lot of cases, you better like the guys you're with because not only are you working with them on deck or fishing or traveling, you're living with them. You're eating dinner with them. You're going to have your social time with them. Like, And it's funny, you know, you look at the sport fishing industry, and it's you know just in America. Let's talk about just American boats. It's a there's thousands of owners, but it's a very small group of guys. You know, you you'd go to Bermuda, and there's let's say there's a hundred boats fishing the Triple Crown. Everybody picks up, and we all go to Ocean City, and we all stay on the same dock again. So you start to you meet these people, and you know as you travel this circuit, it's the same people everywhere you go. So you kind of have like this dock family that you start to know these people from different parts of the world and the country um you know i met guys from from caraco uh nick Bovell, he's from uh uh the cayman islands um you, you meet people from all over the world and you start to become friends with all these people you meet some incredible people i'm, I'm definitely thankful for all that um
0: well, a lot of networking a lot and- of
1: networking you start to you start to realize that there's so much more out there in that industry rather than just being a mate or being a captain. Um, you know that that's how mates and captains turn into brokers, or you know, next thing you know, they don't want to be a sport fishing captain anymore. They're driving a yacht, a 250 foot yacht, for somebody in Greece or Italy or wherever um, at the at the Monaco show or something. That happens a lot in the industry. Um, it's a very demanding industry. Uh, you're dealing with people who. You know, your owners are obviously wealthy people, and they—they they, this is their, their pleasure. Yep. Most of them are using this as a getaway, um, and you have to get along with your owners. You have to be a people person. Everything is attention to detail from taking care of the boat. If you take care of the boat, the boat's going to take care of you. That's rule number one. The fishing is about 10% of that job. Taking care of the boat is, I would say, 90% of the job, but... Taking care of the boat is some fishing stuff too. Your outriggers, your electronics, your freezers to keep all your bait in. How you're storing all your tackle? It's a lot of
0: moving parts. A lot of moving it's a ma- parts. I mean, it's a it's a machine that you have to keep running, and it's your main. You know, rods and reels can be replaced pretty rods quickly. Rods and reels can be
1: replaced. And they a, can be serviced. A boat, a boat right. can't when you're a out boat there. A boat cannot. So. You know, you run it. You you throw a belt on a generator. You better have a different. You better have a new belt to go down there and fix it. And it's going to be 500 degrees, and you're going to have to do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it just. <clears throat> It, it's amazing to me how fishing can make the world, or I guess at least a part of the world, shrink.
1: Mm. Mm. Uh,
0: Very much. You know, you get to know people from this. Mm. I know that I know. You know, I know a guy from here and a guy from mm. there, and it, especially the pelagic fish oh, yeah. that are traveling the world themselves you and you guys them. are chasing them. You got to follow You know, them. there's people from everywhere that are chasing them and you get to meet people from everywhere, which, which is unique because I feel like on the inshore side of things, yeah, you can go catch bonefish all over the world. Sure. You can go catch tarpon all over the world. You can go catch It's permit. more
1: location specific It's more, in but, the inshore But game. it's,
0: but it's more location specific. It's yeah. like, yeah, this guy's a Keys guy. This guy's
1: a, a West Central Florida this guy. This of guys here fishes yeah. together and they're in South Florida. Yeah, this, this is a Glades is, guy. Right.
0: And right. it's kind of, very much it's uh, to travel to fish for you it might be a, a four-hour drive yeah. to where that's nothing in the in the offshore game i mean I it's mean, there, yeah of course there's boats from everywhere sure so. there,
1: i mean when i say everywhere i mean like everywhere there's yeah. boats from there would be boats from texas and bermuda yeah like that's that's a that's a poke you know what i mean like it's a long haul that's a long haul a lot of fuel Lot of fuel. You better
0: place pretty. You better have a, a really uh, a, a really good owner. Or you better place well in the turn. Yeah, exactly. I guess, right? We
1: don't talk about the fuel burn. That's one <laughs> thing we don't talk about. <laughs> but um,
0: but when you're talking about these these marlin tournaments Mm -hmm. i mean these it's millions of dollars that's on the line that that you have guys who truly are not necessarily doing it for the money they're doing it for the love of what they're doing but the guys that are working the boat that that money means a lot to you guys too certainly because that's that's part of i'm sure how you got compensated was how you guys did in the tournament no doubt
1: we um you know depending on your owner and what kind of agreement you have with your owner it could be It could be twenty percent off the top, ten percent, five percent, however he wants to pay you. That's none of my business how people get paid. Um that's certainly a motivator, right? I mean, you know, if you're talking let's just let's just round number it. If you're talking about a million bucks, yeah, and you get 10% off the top, so you're a captain, yeah, and your owner's willing to hand you a hundred grand. Yeah, that's, And a place to live. It's substantial. You and know mean, what I mean? Yeah,
0: it's on a boat, but it's right. a place to live for a few months out of the right, year. Right, exactly.
1: So. So well, that's, that's. But
0: I still would probably guess that when you guys are in a tournament mm-hmm. and you have a fish on the line, mm-hmm. okay, like mm-hmm. and you see it jump and you're like, mm-hmm. this could this, – this, Get the gaffes. Well, th- this fish could place us sure. pretty high or win the tournament. Yep. I would assume that the money is not what's at the forefront. It's the competition. It's the it's, competition. it's winning. It, it's still yeah. you know, it's still that measuring contest no of doubt. like I'm better than you. That is the driving Look, force of the competition. when you're on sea dock in Ocean yeah.
1: City and there's, you know, 70 boats on that dock and you have a white marlin that you just you guys just gaffed and you put in the boat and it might be worth 4 million bucks. You're not really yeah, you're thinking about the money once it's in the boat, but like you're saying when it's on the line it's like all right, I'm ready to roll back in here. Going to the scales is like going to the Super Bowl, at the White Marlin Open, but a hundred percent what you're saying. It's it's certainly a, a a motivator. Just the competition aspect of it. You want to win. I mean, if you don't have a a competitive drive, then you don't need to be fishing. I mean,
0: just- well, and the reason that I said that is because so now your business, what you do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if I if if I was a customer from you know kansas mm-hmm. and i wanted to book you for the day mm-hmm. okay and you have your daily rate and you're going to try and provide me with the best experience that you can mm-hmm. but if i don't catch a fish mm-hmm. when we're tarpon fishing it's just it's part of the game I mean, it's just part of what's understood so it, it's not like i have to get this guy a fish or i don't get paid what drives you is the being excellent what drives you is being the best what drives you yes is that it's not just a financial game yes it's it, it has to be that to do what you do. 100%. Because if not, you can just become complacent. And you're like, well, I'm getting paid no matter what. So I'm going to mail it in, and I'm yeah. getting
1: a check, and that's yeah. just the way it is. Like, there's is. You're 100% accurate on that, Alex. <sighs> when I get on the boat in the morning with a guy that I just met from Kansas, and let's say I booked him for two days, and he... Let's say he does know how to cast. Let's no. say he's let's say he's a decent angler and he can get it there and he's doing some of the stuff I'm asking him to do. Maybe he gets a couple bites. Maybe he just has bad luck and he just doesn't get one to bite or who knows. I'm going to do everything in my power to to not get complacent and mail it in and just take that guy's money. I'm going from daylight to dark until I feel like I've exhausted myself and I feel like I've exhausted my angler and my resources to try and get this guy the best experience possible. I'm not putting him in the boat and I'm not just pushing around at a spot going, yeah, well, they're just not here today. We're just going to have to suck it up and just sit here for eight hours and stare at each other. No, 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 no. Or even worse, if I know it's going to suck, let's say it blows Northwest 20 and we get a late season front in May and the water muds up and I know we literally have no shot at catching the tarpon. I'm calling the guy the night before and I'm telling him, this is the scenario. This is what we got. This is the hand that we're dealt. Here's what we can do. Here are some options. The guy just flew here from Kansas. I'm not going to tell him to go sit in a hotel room. No. So, uh, all right, man, you just flew here from Kansas. Let's go see if we can, you know, make a day out of something. Yeah, I'm figure gonna figure something out. Yeah. Something. We're going to figure something out. But I'm not going to take him tarpon fishing. Yeah. Whereas I see guides and I know people that, you know, if that scenario, they, those cards lay out in front of them, they're grabbing that guy, they're putting him on the boat, they're going out there in muddy, almost cussed, they're going out there in <laughs> muddy water, and they're pushing the guy around for eight hours a day, knowing that they're not going to catch a fish, just to get paid. That's the guy that's being complacent. Yeah. So, I'm going to grab that guy, and I'm going to say, hey man, I might not charge you a full day rate of tarpon fishing, let's just go do some inshore stuff, maybe I'll take him, you know, somewhere in the river, and we'll go where it's protected, where the wind's not blowing, and we can we'll make a day out of something. We're gonna do something to where I feel like that guy had a great experience on his day. Maybe he learned some stuff. That's one of the biggest things that I've noticed in my guiding career is that people enjoy learning. They want to leave with a bit of knowledge for themselves. They have to have that.
0: What what I think when I hear that about making sure that you're upfront, honest with the customer, Mm -hmm. this is the hand that we're dealt, Mm -hmm. the weather is something that we can't control. So you're going to control th- what you can, but what that does in my thought and same thing here, like in the shop, like mm-hmm. there's people that come in all the time. Maybe it's the same guy from Kansas mm-hmm. who doesn't know what he needs, doesn't know what he's looking for. And you can sell him a bunch of stuff he doesn't need and you can sell him a bunch of stuff that he doesn't no but, doubt. but he's going to figure that out Oh yeah, and he's never going to come back. He's never coming back. And, you know, if... If you're out there you can tell like I've been on the boat with people before whether it's a guide trip or just a buddy trip or whatever else Sure. There's that part of the day where you can just f- kind of feel like all right, one of us has given up. Like sure. it's a, like the day's over. The like, day's over. Your like,
1: angler's lost yeah. interest. He's Yeah. And that goes back to what I'm saying about being complacent or knowing that you're not going to give this guy a shot. Like yeah. if if you put him on the bow and Okay, if you and I go fishing, Alex, and I say it's late season, water's muddy, it's been raining like crazy for four days, we might get like five shots, but we might get a bite. Yeah. You're probably gonna be in. Yeah, I'm in. But the guy from Kansas He needs he needs more
0: than five shots. The guy to needs get the like twenty five or thirty yeah. shots
1: to, to to I
0: need more than five shots to get the yeah, knee-jitters shot. Sure. I can just Exactly. It out so I can't yeah. I
1: can't go out there and expect to get five shots on a cloudy day with muddy yeah. water and expect this guy to capitalize. Yeah. So what you're saying about somebody giving up or that 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 mood swing on the boat when that when that happens, he's not coming back. No, he's he's done. You can tell. You Cause can tell
0: because if you just start pulling down, uh, fly, even if even if it's not tarpon, right? Say it's redfish. Right. Say it's snook, and he points out five fish in a row because you're not paying attention. You're mm-hmm. just aimlessly pushing down mm-hmm. the thing to get mm-hmm. to three o'clock. Right. He know. I mean, he, he knows. knows that. He knows. And, and a lot of these guys have fished with people before. And and so I think that putting in that extra, that Effort. organic, same thing here, like at the shop, like being honest with people. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, like you're here for a week. Mm-hmm. Okay. You want to enjoy your time here, whether mm-hmm. it's booking a guide, whether it's coming in and, and, and buying a setup so you can go do what you want to do. Like, right. Yeah, there's are, am I nervous about someone else being here fishing? Not really, because the what we do is, with a, especially with a fly rod, what mm-hmm. we do is so specialized that no doubt. you need a boat to really to be successful to get to the spots that you need to get to. But also, it's a tough, and that's that's a tough game. And it's very difficult. we tell people here now that, and we'll get into some of the changes in the sure. in the fishery, but um, but it's not weird for. One, we just did it the other day. Mm-hmm. I mean, to go out and not catch something because the fish don't cooperate. It happens. Because the sun, the visibility is bad because of the wind. Whatever. Blowing further. It's, Look, it can be the perfect day and it's the perfect fish with need. the perfect fly. And he just decides I'm going to act like a bone fish or a permit and I'm just not going to eat today. Sure. And to me, the driving force is that that makes it that much more rewarding when it when does. It all, when it when all does connect the, all the dots. But it also makes me want to be on i want to be honest with people when they come in here and and our guys here are Mm -hmm. it's not easy like i can't just say like throw this lure at the spot and you're going to go catch a fish and that doesn't work that
1: that's that's a in tarpon in tarpon fishing in that space i don't think it's a misconception but i think people have this idea of like because they see all the media on social media and they they see these really cool reels that guys make and let's say they're traveling maybe they're not traveling maybe there's somebody local and they're just getting into it they have this idea that if i go out and i see tarpon i should just be able to close the gap and get this done whether i'm doing it by myself or i have a guide pushing me on the back of the boat for whatever reason people have this idea that when they do book a guide that he is you know he's gonna have all the answers and in most cases he should have all the answers but for you to execute them, how, and he should be telling you whatever he tells you today, he should tell you the exact same thing and almost the exact same words a year from now. And whether or not you are your ability to execute what he's telling you to do, that is where you're going to close the distance and where you're going to capitalize on your opportunity that he's giving you. That being said, going back, let me touch back one on one thing you were talking about you were talking about effort and and not getting complacent in your day. Everybody has bad days. Yeah, I've had terrible days on the water. Whether I make a bad decision on when to be at this spot or maybe I pick up and run because I see a crack of sunshine 10 miles away or 5 miles away and I get up there and the crack of sunshine closes and then now there's sunshine where I was and I run back and there's somebody there. Whatever it is. The the guy that's on the boat with you, whether he's you're a first time client or he's somebody that you fished for ten years, if you put a maximum effort in, and he sees that a real effort, push your boat hard, get off your trolling motor, really really try to to show that guy that you're trying, you're you're exhausted, you're you're, 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 you're
0: mad too, like you're I'm, pissed off, too, at him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. pissed off at him, wanna wanna, yeah, I'm pissed off at him. I want to win,
1: I want to win just like he does. Yep. So. More times than not, if I've had a bad day, and it always seems to be when I'm having a bad day, I'm, I'm, I'm trying my ass off, right? Some, something's happened to where I, like I said, I've made a bad call or the weather, something's happened. When I get back to the ramp, if I've had a bad day, and let's say we, we had, let's just say we had 15 shots, which is a decent day, but that's not a good day, like as far as shot numbers, in my opinion. I feel like I need more than that for my guy. And I get back to the ramp, and he feels like – and I can tell he feels like, I, you know, we didn't deliver that day as a team. Maybe it was me. But if he saw that I exhausted myself and exhausted my resources and really tried for him, they will tell you. They will be back. I promise you that guy will be back. Yeah. To anybody who's starting to guide, any young guides out there, don't mail it in. Don't get complacent and just say – let me get to three o'clock or four o'clock. Don't but don't even put your guys on a clock. Pick your guys up, take them fishing, and go af, Get after it, man. Go fishing like you would if you were by yourself. If you were by yourself, you're not going on a clock. No, you're going until you come home and you're happy about your day. Yeah, that's at least that's how I fish. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people should fish like that. And if everybody do, if every if every guide did that, there wouldn't be these clients that that you know. I, I take people fishing, man. I've been trying to catch a tarpon for. 10 years i've booked guides all over the state and i'm sure he had some good guides in there and i'm sure he had some bad guides in there but like a a guy shouldn't have to try for 10 years to catch a tarpon on fly he shouldn't i mean it's just you know but that that could be argued and that's that's opinion but maybe you can cut that out (laughs) um but that's just how i feel about it and and that's That's kind of where I was leading with that. Where were we yeah. at before that? We were no, we were on just, to something else. No,
0: I was going to I was just going to go back to your billfish experience. Sure. And how that has now cuz it seems to me as somebody that grew up in the same area has I have I mean very little offshore fishing mm-hmm. experience. And mm-hmm. the offshore fishing experience I do is is I mean it's gulf coast offshore fishing Mm -hmm. it's 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 kingfish it's going out 30 miles and looking for grouper red snapper but i'm also the guy that if it looks like it could possibly suck like i don't want to go offshore because i don't want to get beat up and so like that's me like i'm a i'm a fair weather offshore guy for Mm -hmm. sure like i'll go troll for kingfish and twos Mm -hmm. or threes because you're moving but i really don't want to get on a nose anchor when it's fours or fives and, and Try and act like I'm not seasick no, when I'm dropping down. I'm not. I'm. But, I'm, I'm,
1: I'm not on that yeah, game either. Yeah. So.
0: So I have very little, and I've. I've never caught a billfish actually in okay. my life, like in any sort of way, okay. like on conventional tackle on fly. I've. I've never caught a billfish. I've been on a boat a billfish was caught on, but I've never. It was on a vertical jig. So it was one of those kind of fluke right. things. But yeah. It, it happened. Was, yeah, and um, I thought I was gonna catch a billfish, but it was actually hooked it wasn't just free jumping so that was yeah but um but how have you taken what you've learned so here's what i know about bill fishing Mm -hmm. very little it's basically the tv where a guy's on a a camera a camera crew's on a boat for 10 days to get 30 minutes of footage and they release two fish depending on where you're
1: fishing yeah yes and
0: in the same thing like i just i see that in ignorance and think oh this is awesome they fished for 30 minutes and they boated mm-hmm. you know 10 10 mm-hmm. billfish where it was a week of it can prep. be like that it was a week of prep yeah but it was a week of preparation no and they fought weather and they yeah. didn't the camera crew couldn't even film three of the days because the weather was so bad or whatever else and i see that but one of the things that they always talk about no matter what they're talking about when they're bill fishing, mm-hmm. they always, and I hear this, is that the, look at that fish, look how lit up he is, right? That's what they always talk about. Look how lit up he is. Mm-hmm. So can you explain to us a little bit what that means? Sure. Um, and then also maybe, we were talking about this before, so I can kind of help lead into it, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: how you read a fish. Sure. Okay. So I'm like, and the translation of that offshore bill fish game now into what you currently do, sure. which is mostly or all basically inshore light tackle and fly.
1: Okay. I'll try to answer all those in a... In yeah, a yeah, I
0: know it's a lot. But. No,
1: I'll try to compress it all. So first thing with bill fishing, and all of this will, will when I wrap it up, it'll kind of all transition into how I'm, I, I use and apply that now. There is a pile of prep work when it comes to bill fishing, like you've just assumed, and... When you're fishing how we were fishing and we were tournament fishing, the, your tackle and your bait and your terminal tackle, all of that should be a last... That shouldn't even be a thought in your mind. That should be something that is totally just... Your your tackle and your knots and your baits, they should be so dialed that when the moment happens, that should be the last thing. You shouldn't be like, oh sh- oh, oh, my God, my bait wasn't rigged right. Or yeah. maybe that knot was questionable. No, that, that should... You should be so perfect at tying all of your knots that when I tied a thousand, when I snelled a thousand hooks before we started a marlin season, I knew every one of them was perfect. I'd, I would sit down, bad weather day on the boat, and, you know, we're not waxing, we're not doing anything, sit down and tie a thousand hooks. I know they're perfect. Put them in a bag, they're good to go. So. You said okay. They film a TV show. You know, it might take ten days to get thirty minutes of footage, depending on where they're fishing. how Yeah, good they're fishing and obviously is. it's different. But sure, yeah. it's, it's it it's, could though. It, it could take that long. It very well could. I have trolled around for days without getting a bite, depending on where we are. Um, but when that moment does happen, and it happens fast, like you'll 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 have days where you don't get a bite, or maybe you know we're fishing out of Ocean City, and you know we fish two days, and we get we catch three or four a day, maybe three, which is a decent day up there. Then you go out the next day, you fish the same numbers, maybe some new water moved in, and you get like 20 bites. If you're not ready and you don't have enough baits rigged, you're not going to catch as many as you should there. Let's say you get 20 bites, you got a good crew downstairs, you should maybe catch 15 of those. If you don't have your stuff ready and you don't have a good crew downstairs, you might catch like seven or eight of those, which that's still a really good day, but you get 20 bites, you want to come back flying 15 flags or whatever. Yeah. and how that's kind of transitioned into, let me go back to what you were saying about fish and how to read fish. Um, a lot of times billfish will come up. You asked. You talked about how fish being lit up. Um, sailfish are notorious for coming up and kind of being lazy. They'll window shop a lot. They'll come up and they'll swim. They'll be 10 feet behind a bait and they'll just be kind of lazily swimming there. You got to excite that fish. You got to piss him off to get him to bite because you can't just have a ballyhoo in your hand. And he comes up behind it, you just can't dump it and expect him to eat it. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. So if a fish comes up and he's he's just kind of window shopping around the spread, maybe he pops up on the one of the long riggers, and then he pops up on one of the short riggers, and maybe he sees something, or you know, he pops up on one of the teasers and he's lazily looking at it, and then all of a sudden, you know, you start pulling the teaser in, and that you know, whatever you're pulling pops in the water, and he all of a sudden he lights up, he flares his sail up. Maybe his peck fins turn blue, and now he's excited. He's in a feeding mode. So when that happens, you can pretty much throw a coke can at him, and he's going to swipe at it. He's fired up. He's ready to eat. Blue marlin are notorious for coming up, and they're pretty much ready to roll. You better you better have everything ready when a blue marlin shows up because they're fast, they're aggressive, they break things. Um, yeah. You know, and and talking about a fish being lit up, billfish and most pelagics for that matter, they have this ability to to change colors. You kill a dolphin, you pull a, a Mahi Mahi, not a dolphin people. You pull a Mahi Mahi out of the water, he's super lit up, beautiful, and then about ten minutes later he loses his color. Dull. Yeah. He's dull. A, a Marlin's the same way. If you if you kill a Marlin that's lit up, you put him on the deck, he's gonna lose his color. He's gonna turn yeah. black. Tuna, I've seen tuna do similar tuna parts. do similar things. Yeah. But tuna will actually keep their color a little bit. Okay. Um, but I've seen Marlin come up pitch black I mean, you just you look underneath the dredge and there's just this pitch black shadow that's down 20 feet. And then you start bringing the dredge up and then all of a sudden his peck fins will turn electric blue. He slides up behind the dredge and he's his erratic his his he's looking up. He's ready to go. Something has excited him. Maybe when you pulled the dredge away from him. So bill fishing taught me to. A, reed fish, because yes, when the fish comes up into the spread, more times than not, we can see him. We can see what kind of behavior he's exhibiting. Is he in a feeding mode? Is he window shopping? Maybe he just comes up and takes a swipe and he's gone. That happens a lot too. Circle back, maybe get another bite out of him. You have to learn when to, we, we were primarily dead bait fishing. And with dead bait fishing, the fish actually has to try and eat the bait before you can dump it. When I say dump it, I mean, open the bale and free free spool him the bait so if a sailfish comes up and he's brown and he's he's just kind of back there window shopping comes up on the long rigger he's swimming behind it and let's say he takes a swipe at it i dump it push it back up he's not there i reel up all of a sudden he comes back up behind it now he's fired up you're actually waiting for the fish to try and bite the bait and then you dump it down his throat so that's part of reading a fish on the rod bill fishing when teasing a fish Let's say you're on the teaser rod or you're on the dredge rod or you're in the bridge and you're teasing a fish. If I'm in the bridge and I'm driving and and a fish comes up on one of the bridge teasers, I have to read what that fish is doing and I have to tell my angler because maybe he can't see it. I have an advantage because I'm higher or the tower guy's telling us where to put it. You have to, it's a dance for sure. You have to tease the fish and tell your angler where to put his bait if he can't see it in relation to the fish to set yourself up for a bite. And you can set that whole scenario up when you have a good angler and a good captain and a good tease guy you can put the boat in a turn you give them a clear window of water the The mate knows what to do the captain's teasing the fish perfectly you can set that whole thing up so fast forward now let's go tarpon fishing when i started tarpon fishing with a fly rod it was a very bumpy road for me i i didn't i i, I didn't really know like I knew how to feed fish and I knew I knew how to feed billfish and stuff like that. And I could certainly feed redfish on the flats, but tarpon are a special fish, you know, they they, want to have it a certain way, and especially in clear water, it can be more difficult with that. So over time, trying to learn how to feed tarpon and okay, why did this fish bite on this day and what did I do there that made this fish bite? The bottom line with all fish is they have a very small brain. That knows nothing but how to eat, reproduce, and you know avoid predators,
0: and where to go certain times of year, right? That which in, that, is which is it, which is, is cent, that instinct that they have. Which but, yeah.
1: that instinct is is where to go find food yep. and where to reproduce. Yep. So that's all in the same category there, and avoid predators. So those are the three things that a fish has to. That do They don't to just migrate for fun. No, they're migrating because the water temperature is getting cold, or they need to go find food for the winter, not for the winter, for a, a spawn. Um, you know, you look at um, look at Boga Grand Pass for example, or Bahia Honda Bridge, or the mouth of the Mississippi when the when the bunker run there. Tarpon go to these places to gorge themselves on food to reproduce. Like you go to Boca Grande, they're gorging themselves on shrimp and crabs because they know they're about to go through this rigorous, you know, spawning cycle that they have to do, which is certainly rigorous. So if you have that in mind, the fish are there to reproduce, migrate and avoid, uh, or migrate when I say migrate for food and avoid predators. If you, if you can understand that you've, you've kind of figured out the game on how to how can I say this without not giving too much away? Here, <laughs> um, you you can
0: no, but there's a lot of similarities that I that I can see between teasing a billfish and feeding a tarpon.
1: It's the same thing. But yeah. let me let me go back. Like if 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 you look at uh, Magdalena Bay and you look at Bahia mm-hmm. Honda Bridge and a worm hatch, or Boca Grande Pass mm-hmm. and a in a crab flush. If I go to Magdalena Bay and you know they're cutting bait on bait balls, and you can go catch. 100 striped marlin in a day, they're actively feeding. If I go to Boca Grande Pass and there's a crab flush happening and they're it's activated. 2 o'clock in the morning, they're actively feeding. Worm hatch, same thing. The fish are in a feeding mode. There's nothing you can do to probably turn them off. You can rev your engine on top of them and you're still going to get bites because that mechanism has flipped in their brain. So over time, I started to kind of develop my style of fishing I'm looking for fish and scenarios where, yeah, obviously, I would love to find a school of actively feeding tarpon in the middle of the day on a, a Wednesday afternoon out here. It's likely never, not going to happen. I've never seen it. Right. So <laughs> maybe if, you've seen it. I've never seen it. If you you can't you can't drive all over the coast looking for that on any no. given day. So you have to basically try and find little bits and pieces of that because a tarpon has to eat. Um, and let's just specifically talk about tarpon here, and we can go off into redfish and snook and all that if you want. No. but if i find if i find a spot where you know a tarpon's lazily swimming down the beach it's high sun it's clear water and he's been thrown at by five other boats tough to get a bite out of that fish not saying you can't it happens every day very difficult to get a bite out of that fish you take that same fish maybe flip the tide Maybe the sea breeze kicks up or, or maybe the light gets lower or whatever and now all of a sudden he's got current blowing in his face, and he's starting to think you can you can see it in their body language, dude. you can see a, you can see a string of tarpons swimming down the beach, and they're perfectly just swimming along in a single file line like they do and maybe an hour later something happens and the water gets churned up and the wind starts blowing or something. you can see it in their body language their pec fins are kind of out. They're, they're, they have, they just, I, I don't know how to describe it. I, yeah. I, and I, you, you have I to, have a
0: way to describe, but I'm not going to because yeah. I don't necessarily want to yeah, 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 give yeah, everything yeah. away. Exactly. But, but they, they, you can definitely see how they change the it's way a mood they move change. through the water. It's a mood change. And, and they're looking up, dude. But what I've, here's listening to you, I guess, a different way to put it and kind of what I learned. I'm trying to flip the mechanism, like that's that's basically and that's what, I'm what we're trying, trying to, do. to do. And sometimes they're more apt to flip the mechanism, like you said, when they no doubt. if there's a tide change and they're moving different. No doubt, you can almost tell that. Like there's there's groups of fish that I throw out sometimes that I don't expect. I mean, you should always expect and eat because then you'll miss it if you of don't course. expect it. But if a fish breaks off, I'm kind of surprised. Where you can also tell the difference where you're surprised if it doesn't happen. No doubt. And and you're trying. We're. I mean, basically, tarpon fishing dumbed down is it's just trying to flip
1: a fish's mechanism. You're trying to you're trying to you're
0: going to you're trying to turn it from swim mode to eat
1: mode like that. And it's got to be a reaction. You're looking for a reaction bite out of that fish. Yeah.
0: And and so how to do that. You can explain it to somebody all that you want, you but, can't. But do you it. can't yeah. do it until you've gone out there. It's like trying to tell someone what it's like to catch a tarpon. I haven't caught a ton of tarpon in my life, mm-hmm. you know. And I've, I've I've caught a handful. Most of my time out there's a lot of it spent solo. Sure. So a lot of bad shots, a lot of bad boat position, sure. a lot of, and so that's how you figure it out. And though. so, but being out there, it makes again, it makes the success that much more rewarding. No doubt. But it also, I'm okay with. Failure. And, and and people are like, Did you have a good day out there? I'm like, Yeah. How many did you catch? Nothing. None.
1: I didn't catch anything. But you learn maybe right? maybe you learn maybe you saw a fish yeah. try to eat your fly or maybe you saw a fish blow up on a ballyhoo or a needlefish or something and it whoa. Why did he do that? Yeah, or yeah.
0: Yeah. Or, or why do they roll in this spot? Or why do why, they exactly. why do they
1: daisy chain on the edge of this
0: bar and not this bar? And in, that in is Minnesota. only
1: done through extensive time on the water. And if you this goes back to what I was saying earlier. If you think you're just going to roll out in tarpon season, and I understand everybody doesn't have hours out of a week to go spend on the water. no. But if you, if, 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 if you want to understand a fish on this level, extensive amount of time has to be put into studying the animal. When I say studying the animal, watching his behavior, maybe not throwing at him, maybe going to a spot and just watching fish swim by it and say, all right, well, they turn there and then he came over here and he rolled uh, they showed me he rolled over there and now he's going to show up here maybe if i put the boat over there i'll have the best angle of a shot and the current's pushing this way and the fly won't be swung and i won't be stripping on slack line all of that is done through extensive trial and error and failure oh yeah failure mo- is
0: mo- most days solo out there are we're not i'm not are not a I, success in most people's eyes but for me i wouldn't trade it for anything because as long as I, as long as I cease a fish mm-hmm. and feel like get a few if, shots, e- and even if I didn't get a shot, hey, m- maybe they just turn different with the mm-hmm. tide, or maybe there's another boat that's sitting out there, so they're day. bumping off, so they're right. bumping off them, or maybe they're just swimming a new line that mm-hmm. I haven't really right. seen before. Right, they are still fish, and, They're still fish, and they're gonna do what they do, and and you know, being out there solo for a lot of it you know i'm not going to get a bunch of fish to hand i don't really want to Mm -hmm. get a ton of fish to hand solo Mm -hmm. because i don't really want to set a rod down when Mm -hmm. i'm connected to a fish but but to connect with one get a few jumps pull on him for 10 minutes and then you know be able to pop him off when he gets in the pass i'm i'm fine with that but um you know and also trying to you know i said we weren't going to get into this but also etiquette wise i'm i'm out there for fun Mm -hmm. there's a lot of guys out there to make a living and Mm -hmm. i'm so i'm not trying to get anyone's way right and i'm not trying to get caught up into you know all the stuff that 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 happens in the day-to-day work Mm -hmm. relationship and Mm -hmm. and but you know trying to stay out of guys way but but also like there's i've been fishing tarpon here for longer than a lot of the guys that are fishing every day out there no doubt i know where the fish are going to swim sure i i I can find fish Mm -hmm. and you know and i use that because you know maybe i only fish six days during tarpon season yeah. but i know where i can go find fish still and so um so kind of as we as we wrap up i share the i guess i can tell that growing up here means something to you no doubt um and growing up here means something to me and that's why when i left from this place i couldn't wait to get back because i realized there really is no place like mm. our our peninsula right It's here. special um you know we are a peninsula off of a peninsula basically yep. and and so it's it's a special fishery mm-hmm. right you drive five minutes west from here and mm-hmm. you hit the gulf you drive five minutes east from here you hit the bay they might as well be in two completely different states because totally they're just totally different fisheries but the fishery is changing. Yep. And whether it's because of matters of conservation, whether it's mm-hmm. matters of uh, population, whether mm-hmm. it's matters of all of the above, I think it's a mixture of all those things. Mm-hmm. The fishing is, is different. But oh, wow. I still think this is one of the best places on earth to go fishing. It's not one of the easiest. No. It's... But I still think it's one of the best places on earth to go fishing because any given day, any time of year, you can go and not go that far
1: and have a great day and
0: have a great day and have the opportunity i mean whether it's redfish all year yeah whether it's snook in the you know sure. spring summer and fall whether it's cobia in mm-hmm. the you know in the in the springtime mm-hmm. you know in the late winter early springtime mm-hmm. whether it's the tarpon migration that we have for a few months mm-hmm. it it really is a great place and then you partner that with a great community sure and and you know where you grew up too like in 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 uh, tarpon springs tarpon springs is a pretty tight-knit community oh yeah and a very culture driven driven community as well and you know we could do a whole other podcast on on those sorts of things too and and we probably will but but that's what i really appreciated about growing up here was Mm -hmm. that I grew up in a place that I could ride my bike to the end of the street. It's and go special. Fishing. Um, I could go get kicked out of places for trespassing. It is special, and it, it 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 truly is a special fishery. And it so, is, um, yeah. But it's two things. It's it's interesting to see, and we didn't even get into duck hunting. I mean, no. we could. <laughs> That's a whole other yeah. We hole. And so we're gonna have to. We just have to say that we're gonna do like a part two of this at some point. Yeah. But. But it's interesting for me because in my mind, some things that are so totally different, like bill fishing on a sport fish boat Mm -hmm. to tarpon fishing in three feet of water. They're
1: not that different. They're
0: not that different. Mm -mm. Um, You're just, it's you're, you're doing the same thing. The equipment just looks a little bit different. You're throwing out a pelagic
1: fish. It doesn't have a pointy nose, but it's, it's the same thing. You're, you're, you're trying to entice a bite out of a fish. That's not really in eating mode. Um, and when it all comes together it's it's truly is something special and to do it's it magical. like you said to do it in our backyard is yeah i mean where i put my boat in the water and where i fish primarily i think as a crow flies i measured it one time i'm like a mile like a mile and a half from where I put my head down at night. I mean that's 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 pretty special. Not yeah. a lot of people do that, you know. Yeah,
0: no. And and you know, and I grew up where I could drop the boat down and literally drive <laughs> mm-hmm. straight out and it was probably about the same distance yep. to where I'm tarpon fishing. So, yep. um but what I would encourage people to do as we kind of close you have to experience it You do firsthand and the best way to experience that, in my opinion, unless you live here and you have, and mm-hmm. you're doing it. And even if you do live here, hire, hire a guide, yep, hire a, 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 a local captain yep. and, and get, but don't just hire some random off the internet, no. like ask,
1: ask um, around, go to your local tackle shops, talk to people, talk to other guides, talk, no. interview them, yeah. call 10 guides and talk to all of them. And when you step on the boat, you'll know right away if it was the right guy
0: well yeah and and you know just our fishery still has a lot to offer and even though it's different and nothing's like the good old days right as we kind of wrap things up it's amazing to me how two things that seem totally different to me whether it's you know fishing billfish tournaments on a sport fish to tarpon fishing in three feet of water Mm -hmm. there's not i mean there's there's a lot there's differences but they're more similar than they are and different very similar
1: two yeah. different spaces but very similar yeah.
0: and truly that's something i've never experienced and you can talk about it all day sure but nothing gives you the experience like going out Being, there and doing it same thing with with for with tarpon okay mm-hmm. same thing with tarpon no, there's nothing that I can tell you there's nothing that you can tell someone that's never done it that can prepare them for that actual moment for seeing what a fish looks like in the water that's about to eat for the knee knocks that you get at the beginning of the season when you're laying all your line on top of itself because you look like you've never thrown a fly before Uh, just because that like and like you'll literally hook a fish and it'll be on for three seconds and you death grip the line and it breaks and you're out of breath. You're out of breath. Like you just pulled on. You don't even know what happened. You don't know what happened. Like there's nothing that can just like, there's nothing that describes that you just have to go do it. And I think that the best way to go do it, if you're not from here or if you're trying to figure it out, the best way to go experience it, is to hire a guide, yep. and you know, ask your local shop. Hey, what are the who are the guides <clears throat> that you deal with? Because most shops aren't just going to recommend anybody, Mm-mm. right? They because if they're going to put their name on somebody and and give that recommendation, they're going to make sure that it's somebody that they know, mm-hmm. that they trust, mm-hmm. um, and that it's a mutually beneficial relationship as well. Mm-hmm. But also somebody that, like you said it's going to be out there not put a clock on you not not make you feel rushed but you're probably you probably have more anglers that give up on you in oh, terms of man. saying like i'm not give up on you but like no i know what you're out, saying like i'm done for like i can't do that's, anymore that's, a, that's, and you're that's like, the biggest
1: part yeah
0: like, like i can't do anymore can we just go redfish you're like no yeah, like no. <laughs> i don't that's like, the, the biggest
1: part of it a lot of a lot of being a guide is being a, a, a psychiatrist you yeah, got to pull a them, coach. you know maybe they just had our, uh, an eat and they totally screwed it up and they trout said yeah. or they broke him off like you said you got to bring that guy out of the depths you got to bring him back in the game and boost yeah. his morale and let's keep going
0: yeah no absolutely so um uh, Thanks for your time, Tommy. No problem, um, man. I
1: appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: And uh, I guess we'll, I guess we'll set up a part two at some point. Whether we, why not? Uh, I'll sit around talk fishing anytime you guys yeah, want. Yeah, we can talk fishing. We can talk. We can talk duck hunting. We can talk yeah. the whole other passion that you have. Yeah. I mean, truly, and uh, and being a new dad and and, yeah. and how that's uh, that's going to be of, a
1: challenge this carbon season. Yeah, we're going to see how, how that goes and how
0: that's kind of changed the yeah. the, the course of your career. Oh, yeah. Um, and and change. I mean, it changed your career before your, your kid was even born. So no question yeah. <laughs> in so, a big way. So, yeah. So, uh, thanks for listening guys. Um, and hopefully soon, uh, this podcast will be sponsored by Celsius. Yeah. Right? yeah right uh, Celsius. So or Duncan. Gonna, and we're going to send it to him or Duncan or anybody, <laughs> anyone that wants to sponsor us. We'll even take a pickle sponsor. Tommy. A Wickle's pickle yeah, sponsor. We'll take it, I'll take any pickles. So, yeah.
1: All right. Uh, see you guys.